This is Scrooge Mandela, and you're listening to Undergroundopolis. You're nightcap. Tomorrow comes too fast. An innocent exchange. What's his name? Why the shame? You got the weight of the world. Set out 
I, I wanted to start a band that combined the raw energy of punk rock with, you know, the elements of country. And I kind of like my intent was a sort of, uh, you know, how Dropkick Murphys and Flogging Molly is Celtic punk. I wanted to be the American bluegrass country answer to those bands, which I love. And uh, so that was kind of the intent. But, you know, when you're young and you can barely play, you kind of work within your means. And uh, the sound that came out was slop garbage. Uh, and But we kept at it, you know, like um, just worked hard, just kept playing, kept playing. And, you know, eventually we we stopped playing in the garage and started booking actual shows and then started touring. Um, so anyway, on my uh, my trek to Dallas when I was, uh, you know, 18, I remember seeing a mile marker outside of Memphis that was like, you know, X miles to Memphis. And I just kind of always kept that in the back of my head, like, man, that'd be a cool band name one day. Uh, so eventually I just, I remembered that at one point. <clears throat> so when uh, Underclass Motto kind of disbanded, I changed the name to 500 Miles to Memphis. And uh, we recorded our first record and started touring and, uh, you know, went through a lot of lineup changes in the early days. And uh, right before we released Sunshine and a Shot Glass, I met David Brown, which is our steel player. Uh, I met Noah Sugarman, which is our bass player. And I met Kevin Hogle, who is our drummer. And I'm, I was bartending. So, like, I met all three of them at separate times. And uh, it just kind of came together, you know, like I was just out and about, you know, just in the scene and the bars, just going to open mic nights, just kind of just meeting everyone. And, uh, you know, uh, eventually came across those guys and they liked, you know, the first 500 Miles to Memphis album. And they were like, yeah, man, I think this could be a good band. And, you know, they had their inputs and eventually kind of just changed the sound of the band. And, um, yeah, I guess... Uh, it's not like some crazy story of how we came together. It just kind of, uh, we just kind of met and, uh, and out at the bars and that was it. And everyone that joined, you know, brought a different flair to the band, you know, like Dave, uh, the steel player, um, <clears throat> as classic country as his instrument is, he actually was a punk rocker in the seventies and had, you know, a punk band in like 1976 in Cincinnati called the wet spots. So, like, rock and roll was uh, second nature to him. So he knew, he understood the punk rock side, and he very well understood, like, the Hank Williams classic country side that I was going for. So he was just such a perfect fit. Um, and then my drummer, Kevin, he came from a metal background. He was uh, sneaking out of his house at 12 years old to go play with these metal bands in Newport, Kentucky. And he was just one of those kids that was just uh, a natural talent at a very young age. So, like, all these metal bands in town were, like, seeking this 12-year-old phenom. And uh, so that was sort of his background. And then, you know, he graduated high school and he went to college for percussion. And, uh, you know, he taught high school band for a while. And then, you know, then he started touring. Uh, and then I met him and he joined up with me. And he had never, like, country was the furthest thing from his mind when he joined me. But I I wanted him for his, like, really fast double kick bass and just – he was such a hard hitter. Like, he would just slam shit out of the drums. 
And so he really brought that metal edge that we have. Like, you can kind of hear it on Sunshine and Shot Glass. There's, like, the drumming's pretty metal. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then my bassist, Noah, he came from, he definitely came from, like, a rock and roll background, but he also has this, like, hip-hop funk background, which uh, he's just very creative with his melodies and especially his bass lines. And he's actually a guitar player first, uh, and he'll tell you that, but he is a natural at the bass, and he's actually ten times better at bass than he is at guitar, and he's a good guitarist. But for some reason, that instrument just lays down so easy for him. Um, And we needed a bassist, and he was like, well, yeah, sure, I'll play bass. And then I heard him play, and I was like, Jesus Christ, dude, like, you're incredible. (laughs) Like, why are you playing guitar? So anyway, that happened. Uh, and then somewhere along the way, you know, at, at touring, we, we just toured. We were doing 250, 300 shows a year on the road. We lived in a van. And uh, I came across this band up in uh, Freeport, Illinois, uh, called Six Nights Alone. And they were they were kind of like a similar country punk band. And uh, one of their guitarists, his name is Aaron Whalen, um, he, we just kind of became instant friends, and, uh, you know, over time, we lost the guitar player, and, uh, you know, he called up, and he was like, hey, I saw you lost the guitar player, you know, I'd love to come audition, and uh, I was like, well, yeah, man, you know, you know, we love you, like, you're like a brother to us, but, you know, you live eight hours away, so, I mean, if, if you're okay with that, I'm okay with it, so, uh, yeah, then he joined up. And I think he was in the band for about a week before our big national tour. So he had to learn our entire set in a week. And uh, we went out for two months straight, coast to coast. And that was sort of his uh, initiation into the band. And he picked it up quick. Like, he, he did a great job. And shit, he's been in for over 10 years at this point. And then the uh, the newest member is uh, – no, I'm sorry. We have two new members. Um Nate Hickey, he's a longtime friend of mine. Um, he sings like a bird, and we were really wanting a high harmony singer. And, uh, you know, he played guitar. So he was just kind of like an automatic fit. And we were recording Blessed Be the Damned in the studio. And uh, I had him come in to just sing some gang vocals and discovered, like, oh, my God, like he can sing like a bird. So after that recording session, you know, we just kind of had a little powwow, and we just said, hey, man, if you want to join, wouldn't it hurt to have another guitar player? You know, we'll teach you how to play mandolin, so, uh, you know, we can kind of, we don't necessarily need three guitars on every song, uh, and then we just need you to sing, do that high tenor that you do. Um, so anyway, he learned mandolin, he learned all the guitar parts, and just his harmonies are perfect. And he was he was a huge asset to our live show. And lastly, uh, the newest member is Luke Zacherl. He is our fiddle player. And uh, he called me, uh, and let's see, uh, 2000, late 2019, he messaged me on Facebook and said, hey, if you ever want a fiddle player, if you're ever in Pittsburgh, you know, I'll sit in with you. And, uh, you know, I was like, well, sure, why not? Uh, and one thing led to another. and. You know, he did a show with us. He, he drove to Cincinnati and did a, a show with us here in town. And <laughs> the pandemic hit. So he did one show with us, and he did a great job. 
and the pandemic hit. So then we were kind of forced inside. So then I started doing these bluegrass sessions and, uh, I would have him just email me his video and audio for those. So we made, you know, we made some music together in that downtime and then started writing the new record. And, uh, you know, and then he, he's on the new record. Uh, so finally when the world started to reopen, we, uh, <clears throat> booked another show. Our first show back was a really big, uh, festival show, uh, downtown Cincinnati. And he came down for that and finally got to like cement the, the initiation for him. Um, so anyway, I think, I think I've made it through all the current bandmates. There's the, there's seven of us. There's a, there's a lot. And we're not bigger. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I see. I discovered you kind of late, which I guess would be probably 2012. Mm-hmm. Randomly, randomly came across YouTube. Well, I was looking up Cowpunk Pioneer, and uh, I think actually, well, I was uh, I might have been looking up reading about social distortion on Wikipedia or something. Or social distortion was considered a, a Cowpunk Pioneer along with 500 Miles of Memphis. I was like, well, who's that? And I didn't know till the last few years that you were from Cincinnati. Six months of it, it's like I don't think I can do this anymore. 
I love Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati's awesome. I love going over Cincinnati to play, man. Right before, right yeah. before the shutdown, I, I, I would, I was over there and I went to an open mic at Westside Venue. I don't know if you know where that is. It was on a Friday night of all nights. It was, wasn't, didn't have a lot of people, but it, there was enough in there where it was a really good time. I mean, it was a really great night. Do you have a favorite show you like to tell us about? I, I don't think so. I don't think there's been a favorite show. I mean, there's, there's definitely a lot. I mean, you know, well, first, first things first. My memory is really, really bad. Um, it's a blessing. So, and it, it can, it can be in certain scenarios. It can be. Uh, so <laughs> my favorite shows are going to be stuff from recent memory that I can actually remember. Um, That's all right. But we we did uh, our vinyl release party on Fountain Square uh, in October 2019. You know, like back before the world. Back back in the the before times, um, yeah. So yeah, it was uh, early, early October 2019. The weather was perfect, uh, and we had. I mean, it was just packed, and we played really well. You know, we had just come off of the tour, and we were just having fun, and it sounded good. And we actually got the whole thing on camera, so we posted it up on YouTube. But that was one of my favorites. Um, and then, what was it? Uh, we just did a show this past weekend, uh, that I really like. Oh, yeah, yeah, we played Sawyer Point, uh, this, which is just a big outdoor venue in Cincinnati. That one was a lot of fun. There's gotta be some, the Milestone in Charlotte, North Carolina. I mean, literally, anytime we've ever played there, it's the best time of my life. Mm, playing, let's see, we did the Roxy in LA, that was a lot of fun. And, and, and you know, I can't think of the name of the place. Um, but there's this little bar up in like northern Wisconsin. It's just such a good time, and like it sells out every time we play there. The name's on the tip of my tongue. If I think of it later, I'll tell you. But anyway, it's just this uh, middle of nowhere. I think it's uh, Hazel, Wisconsin, or something. Just a small town, but uh, the venue is just packed every time we play. So I don't know how anyone heard of us, but somehow the the music we make took root up there, and people just come out and it's it's always a great time rowdy crowd fun crowd good people so there's been some nights at third street dive in louisville they're great uh we did the forecastle festival down there years ago uh we played oh, yeah. against me it was us against me spoon flaming lips and it was like one of the best times of my life it was awesome uh i love, love spoon <laughs> oh yeah well, here's the counter question. Do you have a least favorite performance you can think of? Mm, oh, yeah. I can think of quite a few. Uh, we, we somehow <laughs> – that, that's, I think, the more – that's the more interesting question, isn't it? It's, one of, it's probably uh, my favorite question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, back in the day. So when we first came out – well, sorry. We, we first came out – started the band in 2003 um, – and we released an album in 2005 that we were just still kind of working our way up. But then when we released Sunshine and a Shot Glass in 2007, we were signed to an indie label, Deep Elm, and that really launched the career that we have. And, uh, you know, we went overnight, it felt like. We went from playing to 20 people to selling out venues at 500 cap, which for us, 500 is a lot of people. You know, that's, oh, that's yeah. like, we're stoked for that every time it happens. So um, at that point, 
uh, we had made, you know, a pretty decent name for ourselves, and we were touring in Texas a lot, just, you know, because, like I said, I lived there for a little bit, had a lot of friends there, so we kind of got into this Texas circuit for a bit, and uh, I think a lot of people thought we were more country than we actually were, so we were getting booked at these dance halls. <laughs> you know, like guys and girls just decked out, cowboy boots, they're, they're to dance the night away, two steps the night away, you know, and we are not Texas Swing. And we show up and we're, we're busting into our punk stuff and like everyone's just like, what the, how do you dance to this garbage? So those were not fun gigs because everyone hated us. So we, like I said, there was some booking agent that, booked like four of those dance halls in a row and by the fourth one we were just like fuck this shit we can't fucking do it anymore a waste of our time uh, actually we did one with miranda lambert uh in oh tyler Texas, and uh, uh like man, the, like just, the toadies though yeah yeah <laughs> uh well i love 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 the toadies uh oh lisa's been on the show lisa umbarger oh yeah yeah she's been on the show no, yeah, Scott Llewellyn, Blake Cartwright, Nine Pound Hammer's been on. Jason Ringenberg's been on. Actually, another one I'm thinking of. Uh, we played a big New Year's Eve show in Lexington years ago, and it was uh, Jason and the Scorchers, and then us at midnight. And uh, we had this fill-in guitar player at the time, <clears throat> and he didn't know who Jason and the Scorchers was. And uh, he he was just. He's a good guy. He's a really good guy. But he kept mispronouncing the guitarist's name. Uh, what's, is it Warner? Warner Hodges, yeah. Yeah, Warner. Um, he kept mispronouncing his name. He kept saying, man, I'm just sure, Warren. Hey, Warren. He kept calling him Warren. And, uh, you know, he's sober. <clears throat> so he's just not having this, uh, this young punk that's fucking wasted, uh, you know, mispronouncing his name. And eventually he just like, got it. He was like, my name is Warner for the last fucking time. <laughs> oh, man. And so anyway, we start we start our set. And, you know, like we're all we're all drinkers. We we were at the time. And uh, but this guitarist that was filling in, I mean, he was just wasted. So we're two songs into the set. He turns around and he goes and he just sits on his amp for the entire show. Doesn't play a note. But he stays on stage. He just sits on his amp. And, uh, yeah, man, it was, it ended up being a fine, it's a fine show. We were just lacking, uh, guitar. This is my show where you do get to talk about some of my favorite songs, which, of course, would be Broken, Busted, and Bloody. And I hope I said that mm-hmm. in the right order. You got it. <laughs> is there, is there a story behind that song, how that came about? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I wish it was a happy one, but it's not. Um, so that song is about my mom and as a lot of my songs are, uh, you know, she, she had, uh, she was a partier and don't get me wrong. She was a fantastic mom and we went through a lot of tough times, but you know, once I got older, got out of the, like I said, I've, the second I turned 18, I was gone. But you know, once I got older, <clears throat> the band started seeing some success, you know, Mom started coming out to shows, and she was just partying and drinking with the rest of us. And it was like, all right, cool. I got a party, Mom. That's fine. But it eventually got the best of her, and she passed away uh, about, oh, my God, about six, seven years ago now. Um, but that song is about my mom. not really sure how, how to kind of dive into that one, but uh, that one's about my mom. 
she's just cool. she is uh she was a very very lovable train wreck of a person uh and i mean that in in the kindest way i can and like i would never trade moms you know she was a wonderful mom but she definitely had issues and uh, you know, eventually got the best of her. Well, I didn't mean to bring up sad, sad story. <laughs> I don't know. That's okay. I, I don't mind talking about it at all. all <laughs> I don't right. want it to be awkward for you. <laughs> no, no, it's man. I, I feel, I feel, uh, I'm, a, I'm a train wreck myself sometimes. You know, it's like <laughs> you better believe it. What is the song on? Is it Dropout? It has that double bass that you was talking about earlier? That's the double kick drum. Um, I really, Dropout's the song that really that stuck out with me on on Hard to Love. But it, yeah, I, so do you have the whole record, or you just heard the single? I've got the promotion, the promo you sent me. Oh, okay, cool, cool. So it's all out, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a lot, lot of double kick on this record. You know, we kind of there's one with the machine gun double kick thing. <laughs> I was like, whoa! <laughs> I was blown away by it. I was like. And I don't always like double kick, so I'm, I'm very selective about if I, you know, you better be Vinny Paul or <laughs> mm-hmm. there is an art, there is an art to it, and not every drummer has it like they think they do. <laughs> oh but yeah, yeah. This guy for sure. Is, is, man, he was he was on fire, and it was great. And well, he he is he's a big part of our live show. You know, like everyone in the band brings something to the table. They're all really good players uh but our drummer some nights he just steals the show because he's so good and like <laughs> just throw in these freaking wild you know drum solos and drum fills and like he is he's a lot of fun to watch with you'll you'll see saturday but uh yeah i think half half the set i'm i'm looking out at the crowd <laughs> the people are staring at the drummer i love it he's he's just uh Man, I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky to have him. He's just, uh, you know, like I said, everyone brings something different to the table. None of it would be possible without the entire team. Uh, but our drummer, man, he, he holds down. You know, he's he's the one everyone's following. And he The show wouldn't happen without him. What about Dropout? How did that come about? Mm. Boy, I tell you what, that is that song's got a lot of layers. Um, so I will say that is the hardest song I've ever written. It, it took me the longest to write, you know, typically when I'm writing a song, like I got it pretty well figured out, you know, like the path that it's going to go, you know, once I start humming a melody, get a chord progression, get a few words, and I've got a pretty good idea of what direction it's going to go. Well, this song, um, my bassist, uh, you know, we all try to co-write and my bassist sent me this song and he started with this verse, you know, put me up in a box of old things, you know. And uh, I was like, man, I really like that. I think we can we can use that. And he had this little riff. And I really liked that. And I thought, like, man, I think this can be a good song. We just need a chorus. Because, you know, what what I'm hearing is a verse. Like the, those fast, rapid lyrics. Like, that's a verse. We need a solid chorus. So anyway... I wrote three different choruses for that song over the course of a month. And, <laughs> like, lyrics changed, you know, like, at one point it was like a murder ballad, and and then it didn't know what it was going to be, and then finally it kind of, like, hit me, just like a lightning strike. Um, you know, I was <clears throat> just 
remembering, you know, the Timothy Leary's famous quote, you know, turn on, tune in, drop out. And uh, I kind of took it from there. And the song itself is not on the nose an acid trip at all. It is more about the psychology of musicians. You know, like, why why do we do what we do? Like, what is it about playing music that makes us, you know, give up everything and move into a van and tour the country, you know, aside from it being fun, but like there's a certain type of person that is susceptible to that lifestyle. And I'm just always been fascinated by artists in general. Like there has to be a certain psychology there that is probably somewhat selfish, but like why is it that we feel this need to create this art and just put it out into the world? And 99.9% of the time, it falls on deaf ears. But we still do it. We keep doing it. Because we believe that one day, you know, it's going to touch someone. And at certain points, and I'm sure you know people that are like this, it becomes delusional. Like, you know, I hate to break it to you, but you're probably never going to be famous. And if you're doing this to be famous, you're doing it for the wrong fucking reason. So that's kind of what the song is about. But it kind of ends on a high note of like, yeah, we're pushing to do this thing that is impossible, but at least we're trying. And that's kind of where the song ends. It's like, well, what have you done? Like, sure, I may be delusional living in my rock and roll rock star world, but at least I'm trying. You know, that's kind of what the song's about. I love that song. I've only got to hear it a few times since I got that thing, the promo. But it's like that, that one stuck out, out. I didn't know it was already out as a single. And it's like, oh, well, that that's funny. Yeah, you you picked the single. That's the one. We just <laughs> released it uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, we got another single coming out uh, next Friday, Way to the World, comes out next Friday which I'm pretty excited about because that song is out of our wheelhouse. It's, uh, it's a totally different sound for us, and uh, I'm excited to get some feedback on that one. Do you have a song that's real, real personal to you that you love to play? I Yeah, I mean, I guess the answer would be all of them. But yeah. uh, on this new record, this, uh, this song called Control Alt Country, that is... Uh, that's such a great that, name. <laughs> yeah, that, well, it's, yeah, it actually, uh, it was my buddy, uh, my, my lifelong friend since we were children. He, he's always made that joke about us. He's like, yeah, control all country. That's your genre. So anyway, uh, <laughs> that song, control all country is very, it's the most important song to me personally that I've written, um, you know, lyrically. It uh, is of the times, you know, just sort of this, we live in a, a primitive age of information, and there is just so much misinformation on the Internet, too many people getting their news from unreliable sources, too many people believing that it's gospel truth, <clears throat> and, you know, our country and our world is divided because of it. So that's kind of what that song's about, but... um you know, like a lot of the guitar licks and stuff like that. Like it's all it's all me. So I don't know. That, that's like the one song on the record that I was like, "Hey guys, let me have this one. Like, just let me do everything. Let me write all the stuff, and then like the rest of the album, like you know, everyone contributes. But like, I just want to have at least one that's just mine personally. And they were just, you know, everyone in the band was like, "Yeah, of course, take it." 
do whatever you want with it. So that's why it's got, it's got this long ass weird, you know, uh, electro intro and it's, it's definitely the most different sounding on the record, I think. You got anything you want to add in before we start wrapping this up? Yes. Oh. Bang. You probably don't have a band camp. You probably have a real website. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, yeah, everything, man, please, you know, uh, Visit 500npm.com. Um, you know, our, our merch store is a huge source of, you know, revenue and support for us. But, you know, not everyone can support financially and, like, you know, buy records and buy shirts and stuff. So, you know, one of the best ways you can support a band is just listen to them on Spotify. Give them that extra spin, you know. Share it with your friends. Tell people about it, you know. Word of mouth is still number one. Like, that. that's the only way people discover bands, man, like... Shows like yours, you know, I, I really appreciate you having me on. Joke of the week. Knock, knock. Who's there? Etch. That's true. Oh, bless you.